Welcome to My Fertility Journey, Life Chats with Bianca Bullissian. Hello everyone, thanks for tuning in for episode zero. This will be my first solo episode where I tell our story, some of what we've been through, and how I got to be here, talking to you with a professional mic in front of me and an editing software I swear I never thought I'd use. I've delayed this until the last minute. Literally, it's Monday evening, and this is supposed to be out tomorrow morning. I've done already about 12 interviews and I just have been pushing this one. I wanted to come out right. I wanted to I wanted to be something that people can connect to. So I acknowledge that there's the fear factor. Of course, I'm scared of what people are going to think or say about it, and there's the lack of confidence that we all struggle with to some point, I think, and the fear that I mention, there's a bit of fear. <laughs> so, you know, I know I'm going to make mistakes. I've already fumbled through my words on the interview so many times. I, I just really want this to be a place of inclusivity and that people feel safe. So, you know, 2020, what a freaking year, I'm telling you. The most scary, yet the most revealing year in so many ways. Good and bad. It's been a huge year of stepping back, of listening, learning, unlearning, and relearning. So, for example, I learned that the word folks is not necessarily to address older people. <laughs> English being my second language, that's what I thought for whatever reason. Like, old folks home maybe is what I had in mind. But folks is actually a word that includes all genders and identities. So I've learned that I do have to add that to my vocabulary more often. Another example is um, I started following a transgender man on Instagram. He's pregnant and seriously, like his Pregnancy photos, although they're so unfamiliar to my eyes, are some of the most beautiful that I've ever seen. I really do recommend that you follow that community. They are some of the strongest and most inspiring people. You know, it goes to show that moms and dads out there come in so many shapes and forms. And even being aware of that, I still the other day on an interview said lady parts. So, you know, it's, I wanted to refer to female reproductive organs and yeah, there's just a lot to learn and a lot to get used to. Another one that happened is I've been called out at a forum for implying that all partners are husbands and they're not 
obviously. So again, it goes to show us that couples also come in all shapes and forms. On top of that, some are traveling this journey solo. So I do aim to create a space here where everyone feels comfortable, safe, and included. And that being said, please feel free to call me on my shit any time of any day. So 38 years ago in Brazil, I was born and raised by my Brazilian mom and Canadian dad. I grew up in a big family. My mother is one of five. My aunts and uncles had at least two kids each, so I was one of 16 cousins. Reunions were super fun and busy. My grandparents' house was always like full of kids running around and so much energy. I am also one of nine siblings from different mothers and fathers. We did grow up in different countries, but we always had a great connection and we still do. So kids and big families was always something that was in my mind, right? As a young adult, I saw my cousins all having kids. No one really seemed to have any problems getting pregnant. There are stories of miscarriages and abortion around me, but by no means I thought that I would be in the position of needing so much help to have a baby. A baby bump that I longed for since I was so young. I was the one at university that would like push my stomach out real far and for some reason I was always able to do that and I would put my hand on my belly and look down as if I was pregnant and it became a thing with me and my friends and we would take pictures and if they're listening to this they'll remember. So I think I was the one everyone thought would have kids first, you know, I had this love for or longing to have this baby bump and I always wanted like three to four kids. Me and my husband also met very young. We were like 16 to 17. So I think I was definitely on the list to be the, the first one to start like a family. Back in our dating days, though, I was a dancer and becoming pregnant would have like shattered my dreams at that time. So I did take the emergency pill a few times and believe me, the irony of it does not escape me. I often wonder, you know, if um, I would have been able to get pregnant back then or if this was always an issue. I wonder if I could have lived without the burden of taking birth control pill for all those years. I took it for 14 years altogether and like that was pretty much half of my life by the time I stopped taking it. And seriously, God knows what those hormones did to my body too, right? Okay, back to being a dancer and young. <laughs> I went to dance university back in Brazil and I didn't pursue being a professional dancer though. One, because I honestly don't think I was that good, but mostly because I didn't want to compromise having a family. So just how 
bloody ironic that is um but being a professional dancer would have made it hard to get married and have kids back then and you know with the heavy schedule of a dance company and all that technically at this point me being 38 I could have had a long 15 year career maybe and then started trying to have kids at 38 and I'd be exactly where I am now it's just I'm actually relieved that I can laugh about it now the universe is a cheeky little bastard that way isn't it but all jokes aside um, that wasn't really supposed to be my story and I don't really dwell on it at all my passion was always to teach I loved teaching I believe I got it from my parents and my maternal grandmother they are my biggest inspirations and there are lots of other teachers in my family too they're all such inspiring and caring people So me and Leo met, as I said, when we were about 17, and we got engaged on the last year of university, got married, and moved to Canada. Um, At that time, my paternal grandmother was still alive and living in Toronto, so that's where we came to have the support of the family. So when we moved, instead of becoming a dance teacher, I actually ended up doing a Pilates training course. So I continued to do dance classes sporadically, but teaching Pilates just became my whole life. From being an instructor, I became a Pilates trainer, meaning I started to teach students how to become Pilates instructors. I work for Marithew, And I teach the Stop Pilates method, which is an international teaching method. And I started traveling for work. And it was seriously a dream come true. I absolutely love traveling. So I got to teach and travel, two of my biggest passions. I went to amazing places for free. I met super special people that have become friends for life. I had experiences learning from all these different cultures. It was truly amazing. Meanwhile, back home, me and Leo got a car. We worked our asses off and got a home, our first home. And we were ready, you know, to start talking about a family. We were both stable in our careers, both feeling steady financially. Leo is way more conscious financially than I am. So it's because of him that like we started talking about that and planning. We didn't want to put like ourselves or our children in a situation of any stress. So it's kind of funny and ironic that, um, you know, when I think back, I was signing up for employment insurance. And because I'm self-employed, I had to sign up privately with the government. And I had to do the math of the time because I needed to contribute for a year before I could claim mat leave. So, you know, God forbid we got pregnant the first month and then had the baby before I could claim the employment insurance so I calculated everything like so perfectly and in case we did get pregnant for the on the first month the baby couldn't be born before January 2014 so thought about all of that 
April to May-ish of 2013 was when we started trying. So I stopped birth control a few months before. I had a trip to Korea and we started trying when I came back. And I remember thinking like, you know, I'll keep doing this until we get pregnant. Like I'll go travel. I had these long trips, mostly to Asia. I'll come back. We keep trying. And when I get pregnant, I'll just retire, (laughs) retire traveling for a while, right? Yeah, so much for all that planning. I still remember, you know, the excitement and a little bit of the fear and the thrill of having sex with no contraceptives after like my whole life, right? My whole sexually active life, I was always on birth control. So I don't know how it is for men, to be honest, because I remember like the fear in the pit of my stomach and my heart pounding in my throat when I realized that I missed a pill and then we had to go into the emergency pill situation and you know when we stopped taking it it took a while not to feel that anymore it was always like a little rush you know every time but You know, as soon as I remembered that this could be the month I got pregnant, the excitement was just overwhelming. Looking back, um, until me and Leo were feeling pretty steady in Canada, I never had sex, like, not worried about getting pregnant. Because that's how we grow up, especially as girls. If a boy does so much as look at you, you'll get pregnant. So I started taking the birth control before I even had sex the first time. So that's how like prepared I was. So yeah, it's just ridiculously ironic that being so worried about the financial part was what determined so precisely when we would ditch the birth control. And now, fast forward almost eight years and we have a line of credit that we use to pay for IVF and still no baby in sight. So if you're listening to this and you got pregnant easily and you struggle financially, well, you're not the only one. Parents trying so hard to have their babies are also struggling too. So yeah, we're not like swimming in cash because we have no diaper bills. We're not taking vacations and eating out all the time as some may think. Our concept of what we could do financially and what we are willing to pay to realize this dream has changed a lot through these years. It's just, it's very interesting because it changes with your perspective and your experience throughout this whole time. It was one of the biggest scares when we realized that things weren't happening and we would need to pay someone to have a baby, quite literally, that, you know, having sex wasn't going to cut it for us. So the first thing we did was IUI. And that was just over about a thousand a month. We did it twice. And 
that alone was scary at that time. And I sort of laugh thinking back at it. It's so cute that a thousand dollars was a big deal, but it was, you know, and you go, no, again, your perspectives change as you go and you progress into this journey. So we did it twice and it didn't work, um, obviously. The, the clinic we were at was the clinic referred by our family doctor. And it was a nice clinic, although it was, you know, the only one we've been to. We felt well taken care of, but the first doctor that we saw had to leave. And guess why? She left on mat leaf. And, oh God, I still remember like the gut punch feeling when I was reading the letter that they sent to us and they gave us the option to choose another doctor there. And seriously, fertility doctors should not be allowed to have babies. (laughs) I'm kidding. It's just hard, you know, maybe they should have like all the kids they want to have first and then become fertility doctors. (laughs) I don't know. Anyways, we ended up with a different doctor. She looked at our case and all the tests we had done and there was one missing. So she ordered that and it came back as a low AMH diagnosis. So AMH is um, what they call the anti-Mullerian hormone. It's a hormone that potentially indicates your ovarian reserve. So basically how many eggs you have left before you run out. So our eggs release this hormone and the level of it on our blood indicates how many you might still have. That's how they sort of measure it. It's not a hundred percent, but that's sort of what they use. So that was my diagnosis with a low AMH. It's just very hard for you to get pregnant naturally. So you can see how like I learned so much about my body that I didn't when I first started this. Things that, in my opinion, should seriously be taught in school. So we we know better, you know, our bodies are so complex. We know it's something that should be out there more. So we're not so surprised when things start going a little bit off track. Different subject for a different episode, maybe. Um, so anyways, as young little folks with female reproductive systems, we are born with all the eggs that we will have our whole life. These tiny little cells are inside our tiny little ovaries when we're inside our mother's tummy. So, you know, that's why they say we are actually created inside our grandmother's womb. Because there, as our mother is growing as a fetus, so is the egg that will one day be us. So, I'll let that sink in for a minute. Like, how fucking magical is that? You know, I had heard before that we're born with all our eggs, but I never thought that the connection went so far back in this way. So what was your grandmother going through when she was carrying your mother? 
that's going to influence your DNA, literally. It's so important how we perceive this energy that has been carried from our ancestors. And like, seriously, this is not like new agey stuff. This is proper science. And so I started to understand the science better because obviously my body was not doing what it was supposed to do and it needed help and it needed an advocate and I was the only one that could take that job. So back to getting my low AMH diagnosis. I'll explore more of how that consultation went in a future episode, but let's just say that it was life-changing, heart-shattering, so crushing, and till this day, I'm still trying to heal from it. But uh, moving on, we were told that we needed to do IVF. So that was estimated between twenty dollars to $25,000 between procedures and medications. It was almost as scary as the doctor explaining to me that she would have to freeze my vagina during one of the procedures. I literally stopped hearing her after she said that, like those ear-piercing rings that we see in movies and then everything goes like slow motion, you know? That was just, yeah, as fucked up as you think it would be. I was mostly scared of the needles and Leo was mostly worried about the money, (laughs) as you can imagine. Um, Because we all have our part, different parts on the story. So we compromised, we waited, we got quite lucky actually that in Ontario on that year of 2016, they approved funding for IVF, one per couple. So we did it from 2016 going into 2017 and we had three embryos from that process in the end they failed to implant just one after the other after the other devastating doesn't even begin to define it it's just like getting the rug pulled from underneath you and then stomped on is kind of how it feels it took a little while for us to get over it but we did It took a little longer for us to pay for the meds that weren't funded, but we did. And in another episode, I'll tell more details about what happened next. But basically, I changed. I knew that there was something good that was supposed to come out of this. Something that I knew I was going to have to work super hard for, but something that had a purpose that could potentially be my life's purpose. So I looked for meditations. I looked for support, both physical and spiritual. And these are the things that today I'm most passionate about sharing. How I got to a place of more peace and calm. How I got to a place where... Even when I feel myself unraveling into a bad 
place. I can catch it and I can pick myself up before it's too late. It's one of the most empowering things to have that sort of control over your emotional being and your emotional reactions. So I started working with a very intense naturopath, a spiritual coach, and looking for various other ways to support my body and my mind. I had already started changing our lifestyle um, during this process, and we were living as natural as possible, meaning no plastics, no chemicals in our house, no chemicals on our bodies. We had supplements like piled up on our coffee table. And one of the things that I started doing was writing. I remember getting a journal from my godmother in Brazil and I had never used it. And one day I'm like, this is it, you know, I'm just going to start writing. I will again share about that writing at a, on a different episode, but it was like I was getting that weight off my chest and putting it into something concrete that I could look at and I could quantify I could read and I could cry reading it and I could heal as I was writing and I was writing as I was healing um so I didn't share it though for the longest time maybe like two to three years and then I started showing it to friends and family and their genuine feedback just blew my mind they all encouraged me to share it so I opened an account on medium and more recently one on instagram to share this whole journey that's how the podcast was born Finally, we're here. The The need, the need to share my path and what I've learned, the ideas behind everything that, that I started applying in my life to show others that they're not alone in this story and they're not the only ones struggling and looking for answers. I also like love listening to other people's stories. And if you haven't noticed by now, um, past 20 minutes, I'd love to talk. So <laughs> just chatting with people and hearing their stories is so inspiring for me. And it also makes me feel like I'm less alone. Because even knowing the statistics of how many couples or people that are going through this you still feel like you're the, the only one struggling. It's bizarre. So I continue to write and share and I really had high hopes that we would get pregnant naturally, but unfortunately we didn't. So I set a date, fall of 2019, and if I didn't get pregnant by then, I would return to the clinic. And this time it was a different clinic and a different doctor. There will be a different time for me to talk about how much better the experience has been this time around. The different mindset, different relationship I was having with my husband, different relationship to the needles of the process, just so, so different. That plus 
a different protocol and approach from our new doctor yielded amazing results. So we ended up doing three rounds of IVF. So stimulating the ovaries, retrieving and fertilizing the eggs, and then freezing the embryos. We did that three times. We got briefly interrupted by COVID restrictions, and then we returned now to the clinic. We are taking it easy. We're not rushing. And we are not sharing in detail this part of the journey yet. So you're going to have to stick around and see how this journey continues to unfold. I cannot say how grateful I am for you for listening through this to the end. And I hope you keep coming back because it's launch week and I am so excited. I have three more episodes back to back with amazing guests and I hope that you enjoy it too. Please, on your way out, if you can, click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Leave a message and a review because that really helps get the show up on the charts. And you can find me on your browser at myfertilityjourney.ca. You can sign up to get full notes of each episode on your email. You can also keep in touch through Instagram on at myfertilityjourney.ca. That's where I'm most active and I'll be posting parts of the episodes there too. I would like to wrap it up today with sending very special thanks to the big support system around me. Maida for working tirelessly to get the website and emails out in time and the wonderful artwork and graphic design on this project. Eu te amo. Natalie for the amazing pictures that captured the spirit of this project so well. I absolutely love that you're part of this with me. Amy for the heartfelt illustration on the art of the podcast. I love you so much. Isla, Amy, Eve, and my mom, thank you for helping me edit and proofread everything. <laughs> my mom, my dad, and my brothers, thank you for your support, always. Mundo Livre S.A., thank you for donating the instrumental segments for meu esquema that made this project even more special. And lastly, Leandro. The man that has been by my side for over 20 years now. No questions asked. I can't talk about you without crying. I would not dream of going through this crazy ass life with anyone but you. And I'm so proud of the two of us. Thank you, baby, for your support and your patience as I put this together. For now, everyone, thanks for hanging in there with me. Remember to take care of yourself and take care of your heart. And I will see you soon.